It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. This is a bit different than what you're used to. We're going to have two shows today. This show is only about basketball. It's only about the Thunder game against the Spurs previewing the Thunder game against the Lakers, and about James Harden publicly demanding a trade. We also have another show up today where you're going to hear from Mark Dagnut, you're going to hear from SGA, you're going to hear from Hemadou Diallo, and you're going to hear from George Hill about the NBA updated health and safety protocols, and you're going to hear my opinion on the big headline making the rounds on Twitter and elsewhere that George Hill had to say from his press conference about how he's a grown man and that he doesn't have to listen to any of the protocols. And this podcast, I'm not sure the length of it. That was our full show. That was our full-length show to get you a Wednesday podcast. This is an additional podcast to talk about the actual basketball events that are happening. So it will be more free-flowing. It'll be more uh, of just getting the actual meat and potatoes of the game and of the basketball content. So we're going to start with the game overview as we always do. Uh, also on that podcast that that's also up right now, you can hear from Mark as he talks about Ty Jerome and his ankle injury, which held him out again on Tuesday and will likely hold him out against the Lakers. As Mark mentioned yesterday that he's still not doing live practices and he's still uh, not quite there yet to return to play. DeMar DeRozan did not play in this game. Uh, Derek White did not play in this game and Devin Vassell, the, the rookie for them was active to, Night. The Thunder only had Ty Jerome out, so 
on the first night of a back-to-back to play everybody, that would lead you to believe that there's a possibility George Hill and Al Horford do not play today against the Lakers because of the whole back-to-back nature of this season. And that's a tough stretch for veterans to play Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It just is. So I would imagine that there's going to be some reason why Horford and Hill will not play today, just as there was for the first back-to-back of this season. Uh, And then this first quarter, the Thunder had an interesting first quarter because the Spurs offense was just atrocious, but the Thunder offense was pretty good. I mean, Al Horford had that incredible slam dunk off the dribble, which turned back the clock 55 years. SGA was getting his shots at will to the point that People were tweeting out if he's going to go for a 50-point night the way I did or a 40-point night the way other people did and just talking and raving about how he got his shots at will and got whatever he wanted and that he can score at will against San Antonio, which was true for most of this game in that first quarter and most of that first half. And you saw his incredible body control. You saw his ability to finish at the rim. You saw him get to the line nine times, which is a big factor moving forward. If Shea can progress to the point where he's getting to the line 9, 10, 11 times per game, then all of a sudden, you've ascended to that upper echelon score in this league. That's how you have to do it, folks. Every top scorer in this league gets to the free throw line. And so Shea is starting to do that more and attack the rim more. But again, to start this game, there was legitimate Arguments being made that Shea could go for 30 points, 40 points, 50 points, set a career high. And it truly felt like that kind of night in that first quarter. But at the end of the game, you look up and he has 10 attempts. And that's been a reoccurring storyline here with Shea. This season, and, and this might just be due to the fact that he is the guy on this team and that he is the biggest draw for this team and that he is expected to be most improved player, expected to be at this all-star level. And so we just constantly want more and more and more and more from him. But to only take 10 shots was disappointing in this game. He explained it afterwards, which we're going to get to. Uh, But it feels like every game he leaves you wanting him to take more shot attempts. Even as he's playing the game the right way. Even as he only has two turnovers and he's distributing the ball well. So he has low turnovers. He's doing a great job of getting his teammates open looks despite the fact that he's only rewarded with two assists. You know, he had way more opportunities for guys than just two. So that's kind of disingenuous of a number, that two assist mark, because his teammates just did not come through for him. It's that 10 shot attempt number that really makes you scratch your head, especially the way this game starts, especially because... Even as this game ends, he goes 7 for 10, folks. Does not attempt a three-pointer in this game. It, it, it is interesting to follow that storyline. And Mark talked about it after the game that for a guy of his caliber, you'd expect him to shoot more. And, you know, you don't want to overreact to a one-game sample size, which is true. Shea talked about how early in the game, San Antonio was not rotating well. And they, they were not doing a good job of, of rotating to him in the paint. And so he felt like he had those looks. And then as the game went along, the defense adjusted and did rotate well. So then he thought that the better avenue to go down was to set up his teammates and, and to beat the rotations that way. You know, the first part of the first part of the game, you're beating the rotations by you taking the ball yourself to the hole. The second part of the game, you're beating the rotations by kicking it out to the open man. That makes a ton of sense. And, and that is why I am not freaking out over the 10 attempts. Of course we want to see the all-star level player take more than 10 attempts per game. Of course we do. 
Listen, Lou Dort took more shot attempts than Shea. Darius Baisley took more shot attempts than Shea. Al Horford took more shot attempts than Shea. Hamadou Diallo took one less shot than Shea did. I get all that. But it's what's giving me confidence is that he's making the right basketball move. He's making the right basketball decisions. He's letting the game come to him. And the more that he gets put in these positions to be the lead ball handler, to be the go-to guy, to be the number one option, the more experience he gets, which he still does not have very much experience, by the way, the more experience that he gets, the more aggressive he'll become and he'll understand when he needs to pass up the right basketball play, right? He will understand when he needs to go ahead and take that good shot, despite the fact that Lou Dort might have a great shot. Go ahead and take that average shot, despite the fact that Darius Baisley might have a pretty good shot available to him. Because you're our guy, and you're our leader, and you're our bucket getter. He'll learn that eventually. I'm confident in that. Shea works too hard. He cares too much to not get that. For the time being, it is continuously encouraging that he's only having these one turnover games, two turnover games. For this being his first season as the lead point guard, he's doing a great job protecting the basketball. He's doing a great job reading a defense. He's doing a great job diagnosing a defense in real time. He didn't keep attacking a defense that had adjusted to him. He adjusted to the adjustment. That's a big deal for a 22-year-old to adjust to your adjustments. So I get it. We want to see him take way more than 10 shots. We want to see him attempt a three-pointer. But I do like all the positive things that have come along with this season. And he'll learn when to pick his spots to be aggressive. The first thing that he's learned so far is picking his spots in a traditional sense, Right? We talked about that with Poku, for example. When Poku first started in the preseason, he is just launching the ball every time it touches the fingertips. Every time that he so much as broaches the basketball and, and grasps it in his hands, he is shooting it. Since then, he's picked his spots. He's only taking open shots. He's working on that mid-range. He's banking in shots at the free throw line. He's picking his spots better. He's taking high percentage looks. Shea has that part down. He's taking 10 high percentage looks in this game. What he needs to get down now is what I would call the superstar pick your, pick your spot, right? This is different than a normal player picking their spot. You're a superstar. You're a star. You're an all-star. What you can get away with and what is considered a good shot for you is not the traditional good shot in basketball, right? It's not the wide open corner three. A good shot for Shea is a contested step-back jumper. He's that kind of talent. I think the easiest example is, and I'm not saying that that Shea is Damian Lillard, but go back to the walk-off buzzer beater against Paul George. And Paul George calls that a bad shot. In a traditional basketball sense, that is a bad shot. In an all-star level sense, in an MVP level sense, in a Damian Lillard level sense, that is a good shot. He's proven he can make that shot. He's proven that he can deliver on that shot. Even though it's a bad shot for 90% of the league or 95% of the league, it's not a bad shot for Damian Lillard. And so SGA has figured out how to take good shots for just the normal basketball context and the normal NBA player. Now he has to figure out what a good shot is for a player of his caliber. 
when it's okay to be selfish, when it's okay to take a contested shot, when it's okay to to do all those things. And he will. He, he will learn that. But I am highly encouraged by the play we've seen from Shea, even on a game in which he takes 10 attempts in a loss to the Spurs without their top guy in DeMar DeRozan, a game in which you lose by double-digit points. So coming up, I want to talk about this Thunder team as a whole because I think the team as a whole did a really good job in this game despite the loss by double-digit points. I want to talk about Hamidou Diallo, who I think took another step in this game despite not scoring 20 points. I want to talk about Lou Dort, who went three for six from beyond the arc. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And when the show is over, do not forget to check out our second episode of the day, which is the COVID protocols. And then whenever that episode is over, go check out Locked on NBA because they had a ton to get to today. They covered the George Hill thing as well. They talked about James Harden as well, which we're going to get to coming up. And then they covered every single game around the association uh, from Tuesday night. Uh, but I want to continue talking about the Spurs game real quick because I get it. It might feel bad that you lost by 10 to the Spurs who do not have their top player in DeMar DeRozan. But there were still some good things to take away from this game. Look, you lost by 10. The Spurs did a good job of keeping you at a 10-point reach the whole game, right? It was kind of like a, a little kid running into the palm of an adult who's just keeping them at arm's length, right, this entire time. Because the Spurs would grow their lead out by 10 points, and you're thinking, okay, this is where the Thunder pack it in. But as I said yesterday, as I've said before, this Thunder team always has that run in them. And so the Thunder get it back down to four, and you're thinking, okay, here's the run. Here's where the Thunder take advantage. And then the Spurs go back up by 10, and you're thinking, okay, Here's where they pack it in. But then the Thunder come back and get it back down by four. And then this cycle continues three or four times, and the Spurs just continue to push the Thunder out at an arm's length this entire game. The fact that this Thunder team continued to scrap for 48 minutes was a really good sign. I mean, you have some veterans on this team who have some big accomplishments around the league, and they can easily say, you know what? It's not our night tonight. Who cares? It's the Thunder. We're supposed to be a tanking team anyway. Who really cares about this game? But the fact that they're all bought into this system is a huge testament to Mark Dagnon. It's a huge testament to him as a coach that he can get the best out of Al Horford and the best out of George Hill beyond their own personal accomplishments and looking at this from a team perspective and buying into this team despite the narrative around them from everyone involved nationally. We got a really good Lou Dort game. Uh, you know, three for six from beyond the arc is is more than you can ever ask for. And, and his, his shooting to me is sustainable. It just is. We, we had it on Stockwatch before. I'm buying all the stock on Lou Dort's shot. Uh, Baisley did not have the night I expected. I thought with the, I thought for Baisley offensively, with the reduction in, in defensive matchup, right? You go from defending Butler and Zion and Randall and, uh, you know, KD to defending Patty Mills and the Spurs. I thought going to that defensive drop-off 
you know, matchup wise would leave him a lot more energy and leave him a lot more ability offensively, but he just did not have it tonight. Two for seven from beyond the arc, missed a few wide open threes, four for 14 from the floor, 28%. And he goes two for two from the line. He did get six rebounds. He got two assists. Uh, he got a block in this game. Uh, of course, Lou Dort continues his streak of making a three in every game he plays in. Uh, that streak was snapped for SGA, but continued for Mike Muscala. And I want to talk about Poku because Poku had a really good night. Despite the goofy undershirt he was wearing, he had a really good night, two for six from the floor. But those six shots were quality shots. They looked good, um, as good as they can look with a shooting form. But they were quality shots. They weren't kind of just like, what are you doing, Poku? Why are you shooting that shot? And that's a step for him. That is a step. And it goes back to what we talked about with Mavs draft. If a few more of those shots go down, then the the opinion of Poku changes dramatically because in this game, he gets you two defensive blocks. He gets you five rebounds, both areas in which defensively and rebounding that I think he's way far ahead of schedule on. I think he's way far ahead of schedule on when you project what he should have been this year, given his frame, given his raw ability, given the league he's coming from to see the level of defense and rebounding he's able to accomplish at this point gives me so much hope for the future of, of Poku. Look at the leaps we've seen with Diallo. Look at the leaps we've seen with Diallo and Shea and Dort and Baisley. That is all thanks not only to the players themselves being good players and being hard workers, but also the Thunder development staff. I mean, the Thunder development staff is one of the best in the NBA, and it's praise as such around, around the NBA and in national circles. It is also thanks to Sam Presti and his ability to evaluate talent. I mean, Baisley is a huge surprise in the draft. People are so upset that you did not take Brandon Clark. Lou Dort goes undrafted and becomes one of the best defenders we've ever seen. Shea in the Paul George trade. And even Hamadou Diallo. I mean, for a second-round pick, Diallo has given you more return on investment than 90% of second-round picks. Not to mention the fact that it's not like he was a high second-round pick. As in, he wasn't like pick 31 or something. Like, like he was not that kind of second-round pick. Uh, so, with Poku, you should be so thrilled with what he's doing. Because outside of the shot, he's doing everything else at a above-average level. I should say above-expectation level, which we talked about a week ago with Mavs Draft. Uh, and, and so, today was no different. He made those amazing passes, including that pass after the block, where he gets a block and then just immediately threads the needle to Diallo. And we can use this to jump off to Diallo, who gets that pass and, and makes the one mistake he made all night. The only mistake for Diallo was on that 2 and one fast break where he gets fouled. He should have passed the ball. I know he got fouled, but prior to the foul that did not get called, he should have passed the basketball. Outside of that, he made no mistakes in this one. He had a smooth jumper from the elbow. Uh, he was poised and under control every time he drove to the rim, including whenever there was only three seconds left. And he uh, makes that layup that was contested, by the way, with three seconds left. That is a spot in which the old Hamadou Diallo would be out of control, would be pressing too much and might smoke the layup and just miss it. But Diallo played within himself. He goes five for nine, six for six from the free throw line. Getting to the line off the bench is huge for him. Four rebounds in this game, two assists in this game, and only one foul which is big for his defensive ability. And he only scores, I say only, he scores 16 points in this game, which is a lot less than what he was doing in New York. But as I said on the preview show for this game, 
I don't care about the point total. I care about how you get to the point total. I care about how you get to that 16-point mark in this game. And he did so by playing under control, limiting the turnovers, limiting the the jump shots, and, and being poised. And, and that's the big thing with Diallo. That's what he needed to put together. And so far, he's done that this past week. And can he continue to do that as these games go on? So I was impressed with Diallo yet again. I, I'm not going to say it because that was not the best Diallo game you're going to get this year, and it was not the best Diallo game to date, so I can't say it again th- today. But if you know, you know. Uh, so I want to talk now about Teo Maldon, who in this game uh, come off the bench and he gives you four points, and his stat line's nothing to write home about. I mean, the two rebounds and the assists, blah, blah, blah. What I like about Maldon is the progression we're seeing. And again, he's had much better stat sheets than tonight. But we saw a step from him. Despite the box score, we saw a step from him. And that step was the aggressiveness. It's taking that contested jump shot in rhythm, right? It's taking that uh, drive to the basket, trying to trying to split the defense. It's taking that layup over the contested hand of a big man. It is doing all those things without panic and without bailing out on yourself. There were times this season where he'd get the swing pass, he'd be slightly contested, and he'd bail out of the shot and just wouldn't take it. Now he's taking that in stride and he's taking that in rhythm and that is good for his development and good for his projection the rest of the season. And even though he goes 0 for 2 from 3, he did a really good job staying aggressive, which Mike Muscala and other players have talked about with him that all he needs to do is be aggressive because the rest will take care of itself. So I love what you saw from Teo Maldon. I want to give a shout out also to just Justin Jackson real quick because he only plays 4 minutes but he goes 2 for 4 from the floor, 1 for 2 from beyond the arc. And he's kind of just been thrown in and out of these rotations and his ability to stay ready and stay locked in is impressive. It is something that you should truly marvel at the way that he can just come off the bench cold and and give you some minutes and and not be completely lost out there. But in this game, you saw Isaiah Roby take Kendrick Williams spot in the rotation. Kendrick Williams so far had been that power forward in that second unit. And today it was Roby. Roby played alongside Mike Muscala. He plays 13 minutes in this game, goes one for three from the floor, two for two from the free throw line, and gets six rebounds, an assist, and a block in this one uh, on his way to those four points and two personal fouls. But that's really the game. Other than that, I think the Thunder did a good job of not settling for three-pointers anymore because the NBA is giving you those three-pointers for a reason. But this still was a lackluster offensive performance where you only see 102 points. On the flip side of that, your defense was good, only allowing 112 points, uh, but this was kind of the reason why your team's the worst offense in the NBA statistically. It's because whenever defenses adjust to Shea and Shea makes those right plays, he's rewarded with two assists and not the 7, 8, 9, 10 that he should have had. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Lakers contest, preview that, and also talk about what James Harden publicly demanding a trade from his own mouth with the media today means for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on Locked On Thunder, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. To put a bow on the Spurs game, 
I want to quickly go over the bet of the game outcome. I bet Oklahoma City plus two. I was obviously wrong. The Moneyball outcome, I had Darius Baisley. I was obviously wrong. MVP is Poku for me, just because I think that, you know, you can give it to Shea or Diallo or whoever. I think that Poku showing those flashes was a good thing for Oklahoma City in this kind of weird game against the Spurs where, you know, nobody truly stood out above the rest. And so Poku deserves some shine right here, right now. Let's preview the Lakers game though. Cause I find this going to, I find this very interesting. I think that the storylines are going to be prevalent in this one. That's the second night of back-to-back for the Thunder and for the Lakers as well. So is this a game in which you don't see AD, LeBron, Horford, or Hill? Like, do they all four just sit out? It's important to note that AD has a legitimate injury. Uh, he is questionable with a jammed finger. Who knows if LeBron plays? Who knows if George Hill or Al Horford play? I would err on the side of not having Hill or Horford. And in that case, the first storyline to watch for is how does Mark handle the starting lineup? Because this past week should show you that the next in line for a night in which George Hill is sitting out is Henry Diallo. However, we saw Mark, the last back-to-back, start Justin Jackson and Isaiah Roby, two guys who at the time were not in his rotation. And those two guys jumped the line of his rotation to keep the bench unit in full effect, something Rick Carlisle does all the time. Does he do that again, even though Henry Diallo is playing just incredible basketball right now? playing the best basketball of his career right now. I think that this will be the first thing you can take away long-term from Mark Dagnott. And look, I've called Mark Dagnott the best coach in Thunder history. I am all in on Coach Mark Dagnott, for sure. Uh, But this is the one thing I think that will repeat itself throughout his tenure that you can take it to the bank, depending on what he does today. If Hill and Horford are out and he does not start Henry Diallo, then you're going to see him take more of that Rick Carlisle stance of let's keep our rotation set. Let's go ahead and shred out Justin Jackson for the first 10 minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half, and then the rest of the game will be Hamdou Diallo. You're going to see him take that kind of stance the rest of his career if he does it this game, because right now there should be no other reason for why Diallo should not start other than to keep your rotation intact. And we'll see if the Lakers are without LeBron and AD. I think that with AD, you shouldn't play him against the Thunder on the second night of a back-to-back with a jam finger. I get it. You can probably just tape it up and it'll be totally fine. But you just played in October. You're going to want rest anyway. The Thunder just lost to the Spurs without their best player. You think that they can't lose to Dennis Schroeder and, and Montrezl Herald and the depth pieces that the, that the Lakers have? Absolutely they can. Now, on the flip side, the Vero could beat you. But getting some rest tonight for AD could be more beneficial in the long run than beating the Thunder. So I'm fascinated by how this is going to turn out. It's hard to do a full-blown preview whenever you're not sure who's even going to play and who's not going to play, but I thought that it was worth mentioning the starting lineup effects. That way you can prepare for that heading into the afternoon. Uh, And then the biggest story around the NBA right now, I think, is the fact of, of James Harden demanding the trade. And we've heard this for a long time. This is no secret, right? He didn't report the camp, for God's sake. But to take the podium yesterday after they lost uh, on Tuesday and to say, I've given my all for, for Houston. I have done everything I can do. This is not getting better. We're not a very good team, blah, blah, blah. And then to end it with, we're just not good enough. I love this city. I literally have done everything I can. I mean, the situation is crazy. It's something I do not think can be fixed. And then to get up and walk off after you say, it's something I do not think can be fixed. To me, that is the most you can demand a trade 
publicly from your own mouth without sources, without back channels. That is the closest you can get to the phrase, I demand a trade publicly without saying it. And I find it fascinating. It happens tonight after a loss to the Lakers. And what I find even more interesting is that the fact of we have these polls on the network and Nick Engstead posted our poll today about, do you think James Harden gets traded by the end of January? Again, he posts this before any games tip off around the league. And I voted yes on it whenever he first sent it to us. And then it gets posted today and I'm like, okay, well, you know, the rumors have died down. There's not really any steam anywhere. Is this really going to happen? Do we really think that he's going to get traded? I would say no. I said that before the game step off. I would say no, that he's not going to get traded by January. I think I was wrong in voting yes. And then boom, this game tips off. They lose to the Lakers and then all hell breaks loose with James Harden. And so the question is, what does this do for the Thunder? And I want you to go listen to Lockdown Rockets today because I know that Jackson Gatlin will have an amazing podcast about this. I cannot wait to listen. I am refreshing the feed over and over again, waiting to see uh, when he's going to post the pod. Uh, but for the Thunder's sake, this is a great thing. I understand that the pick is top four protected. But keep in mind, even if the Rockets bottom out and are the very worst team in the entire NBA heading into lottery night, it is still a coin flip of if they'll get a top four pick or not. It's still a coin flip. So the risk versus reward between you getting a fifth overall pick and the Rockets being in the middle of the lottery is a flip of the coin. And for a team like the Thunder, who have a, a plethora of draft picks both this year and in the future, I am absolutely taking that coin flip chance 10 times out of 10. I am always going to take the risk. Because here's the thing, if it does land in the top four, okay, Houston got a lucky break, they're going to keep that pick. You still get your own pick, you still get Houston's pick, and then you still get a very good second round pick if the Warriors do land inside that top 20 and keep their first round pick, you at the very least get a very good second round pick. So I am assured three quality draft picks, because even that second round pick is very quality. I am assured no matter what happens, three quality picks, I'll take the coin flip to see if I can make it a top five pick from Houston. You know, a, a, a five, six, seven pick from Houston in a draft class in which is loaded in every sense of the word. And that some people think has seven generational franchise altering talents. I will take the coin flip from Houston and just hope the ping pong balls bounce my way. Hope the envelopes are frozen. This is a great thing for Oklahoma city. I, I cannot wait to see how this pans out. Who knows how a trade goes down, what it involves and, and when it goes down. So you should head on over to locked on rockets and see what Jackson's hearing, what Jackson foresees happening on this topic. He does some great work over there, but I, I do find it fascinating. This happens today. And I cannot wait to hear from an expert like Jackson Gatlin, why it happened today. Is there any reason that in a matter of moments, we went from, uh, yeah, the hard rumor died down. It's kind of over now. And, we went from reports of, yeah, the Rockets think that they've convinced him to stay to him storming out. And I don't mean this in a egregious sense. He didn't storm out, but he, he gets up and leaves after saying, eh, I don't think it'll be fixed. We went from, yeah, the Rockets feel confident that they're going to bring him back to, okay, it can't be fixed. Trade me. What? That took an hour. What happened? We will be back on Locked on Thunder to recap the Lakers game tonight. There is an additional and traditional Locked on Thunder podcast dropping at 3 a.m. on Wednesday morning. 
which covers the COVID protocols and how the NBA got more strict about COVID on Tuesday, George Hill's response to those protocols, and also Hemdu Diallo, SGA, Mark Dagnots, and my response to the COVID protocols being more strict. Also in that podcast of an update about Ty Jerome's health more in depth than what we did on this podcast. The reason I split them up is number one for time, but also because I understand if you're COVID fatigued, right? I understand if you don't want to listen about COVID. So I want to give you the menu items. If you if you care about the protocols and you care about how these players are dealing with it, listen to that podcast. If you don't care, then only listen to this one, which is strictly about basketball. I'm giving it to you as a menu item, as an a la carte service, so that way you don't have to sit through something you don't want. So I try to do this to benefit you, putting in more work uh, to give you an easier choice of what you find interesting on your own. Let me know what you think about this format of me giving you these kind of choices of, okay, do you care about this topic or do you only want basketball? Should I go back to combining them? What do you think about it? What do you think about this format? Let me know on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can also hit me up on the show, Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. You can call into the show, 405-362-7128. So there's so many ways to get involved with the show, give your feedback, opinions, takes that you should take advantage of and get your takes heard on this show. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcast from. It's the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will be back tomorrow to recap the Lakers game. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.